check, check, citizens! Hello! Has anybody seen Horton Hears a Who? When he's talking to the, hello! Sorry. Some people get it, some people don't. Yes, thank you. Uh, uh, summer drink. Um, I will have to say it's the one time of year that my hot coffee turns to iced coffee. I do an iced latte. Any coffee drinkers in here? Boo. Um, I don't be, like being this far away from people, so I'm going to break the rules. Ugh. Normally I prefer to be on the floor, but I've been told I'm too short and I can't be seen if I stand on the floor. So, uh, Hey, how's it going? How you feeling? Thumbometer. This is like best day ever. This is like I barely made it here. Where are we at? Where are we at? Where's the thermometer? I'm doing okay. Doing okay. Um, I'm aware that some of you may not have any clue who I am. My name is Courtney. Um, last time I preached, I looked really different because I was pregnant. So I'm not anymore. I had the baby. He's doing great. Do we have pictures? Can we show Teddy? He's super cute. Yeah, okay, so this is a progression of photos. The first one is like, like early weeks. The second one's like a few early months. And the last one was lately. It's the progression of the Ted smile. He's like learning to smile real big. So he's kind of my favorite. So right now, uh, my dear sweet husband, Joel, is at home with the Tedster because the Ted does not sleep to my greatest shame because I love sleeping. But one day, one day I'll sleep again. Uh, so if you see Joel one day, give him a high five. Uh, Ted is home. We are here, and I am so glad to be here. I have, it's like, I, this might be like a long time, because I haven't preached in a long time, so I have a lot of things to say to you. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. Um, uh, first, some uh, house rules. Okay, here's the thing. What, what are we, what's going to happen here? One, I want to be like very clear. I have a podium, so now I feel like really in charge. Uh, I want to be clear that you are going to hear from the Lord tonight. Okay, not because I have written the most beautiful sermon, but because we're going to open this and we're going to read it out loud. So you're going to hear, it is a Bible, the word of the Lord tonight, right? You're going to hear from the Lord. So here's what that means. Um, right now, whoever it is that you are Snapchatting, texting, I was going to say Facebook DMing, that's for your grandma, right? Um, <laughs> sorry, Robin. Oh, no. Uh, whoever you're talking, say, hold up, give me 30 minutes. I'm going to hear from the Lord, okay? And then you're going to do this. Like that, okay? Phones on the floor. <laughs> Phones on the floor, Bible in hand. Phones on the floor, Bible in hand. If you want to know where you're going in your Bible, Psalm 63 is where we're going to be at. Um, and yes, like Leah said, there is this strange zombie apocalypse that happens every single Wednesday. Have you noticed it? The band comes up and suddenly every single human has to pee like a zombie. Here's the thing. Music at the end, especially for this sermon tonight, is a part of the message, okay? It's a response. We're going to hear from God's word tonight, and then we're going to respond to him in singing tonight. So hold it together, okay? It's like it's all one package. We got one song at the end. We're going to hang in there. So I'm telling you that now so that when you get up at the last song, everybody looks at you and you feel sad. Just kidding. Except for it will happen now. So, All right. Here we are. Are you ready? Phones on floor, Bible in hand. Where's the Bibles? If you don't have a Bible, grab one in front of you. If your neighbor doesn't have one, hit them with the Bible in your hand. I'm not promoting violence. Except I just did. All right. Uh, so, back in 2016, how many of you were alive in 2016? 
What, that was six years ago. What grade are you in? Were you in? You were probably in sixth grade, weren't you? Wow. All right. Well, back in 2016, uh, I had an opportunity to go on a missions trip. Um, and I went on a missions trip to Haiti, a short-term mission trip to Haiti. Um, can, yeah, I leave those pictures up there. Um, and here's the thing. This was something that was totally out of my comfort zone for a number of reasons. Number one, I am a terrible traveler. I get motion sick on swing sets, okay? So I get sick in cars, I get sick in planes, um, I get sick all everywhere, okay? I'm not a really great traveler. Uh, two, if you haven't noticed, I am rather ginger and pale, um, and so and I live in the Pacific Northwest. So sunshine does not do super great for me. I get sunburn a lot. And third, actually, you may not believe this, but I'm not very good at telling strangers about Jesus. Like, what? What do you do for a living? This is why I went on mission trips, because I had to stretch these muscles to learn how to share the gospel with people I've never met before. Um, but it was a fun trip, and the Lord did a lot of uh, really cool things. I learned a lot of things. I learned, one, how to pack light, and two, to pack a handkerchief. They told me to do it. I didn't do it. I regret it. Ask me about it later. Pack a handkerchief. Uh, I learned that malaria medication is nasty, nasty stuff. I was sick for months. Um, and cockroaches, gross, also really gross. So I learned that. Uh, I learned that poverty is a real thing. And, like, we have a duty to care for the people who are the image bearers of God. I learned that no matter what language you sing it in, the name of Jesus sounds really beautiful in any language that you sing in. I'm like, I don't have no idea what these people are singing. It's like a mix of, like, Creole French. But I know Jesus and Jesus and all the names that people sing in the name of Jesus. It's beautiful. But I learned one interesting lesson. Um, and that was a lesson about water, okay? So it's Haiti. It's hot. This is October, and it was still super hot. Like, it was, like, as hot, if not hotter than today. And then, like, the humidity level is, like, through the roof. Like, you, like, wake up, and you're like, did I just shower? I'm, like, soggy. This is gross. Um, and so the work that we were doing in Haiti was we were partnering with the church who was building a school, which is part of what you see in these buildings here. Um, and so the church... Uh, had a school that was teaching kids of all ages, uh, as well as adults. So they're teaching, like, adults how to use computers and, like, other, like, vocational uh, things so they can get work. And, but they needed more room. So they were building another building with multiple stories. And the other cool thing about the school is they um, were feeding the kids that came to the school. So we had an opportunity to be part of that, but we were the grunt work. So we were um, shoveling gravel to make concrete. So that's that first picture there. We're literally just sifting gravel. We're like putting gravel in a bucket and sifting it through, giving it to the workers. They're building concrete. Um, the second one is we actually had to go visit a well that this is all done through Convoy of Hope. Um, and so the second one was a well that Convoy had done. And then we were painting the school. That was the last thing we did. Um, and so it was hot and hard work. And we got to the first day of work, and I am, like, we're at lunchtime, and I am exhausted. I'm like, what? How am I supposed to continue this day? I am so tired. I am so exhausted. Like, how do these people work in this environment all the time? I, I, I was like, well, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to make it this first day. I'm going to die. I'm going to die here in the desert. It's not a desert. But they did chop down all their trees, so their environment's not really great. It was like, I'm going to die in the dust. That's what it is. And then we, we sat down. We had lunch. And the uh, team leaders there made us, like, drink a whole bottle of water and then drink another bottle of basically Gatorade, like an electrolyte mixed thing of Gatorade. And I tell you, it was like night and day. I just like suddenly like woke up. I'm like, whoa. 
whoa, electrolytes are awesome, and so is water. It's like I was so, like, parched and tired, and the water, like, it changed my mood. It changed my attitude. It gave me the energy, and I was able to do the next bit of work. And I was like, man, I've never realized how important water is. Well, this is actually true, you know, it's true for ourselves, it's true for our body, but it's true for our spiritual life as well. There are seasons of our life where our soul needs that kind of water, right? Our soul needs some refreshment. Um, we need like that, that bit of Gatorade. You know that, you know these days, uh, we go through days and weeks and even months just dragging emotionally, right? We're dried up, we feel burnt out, we feel weary, and we're just, we're parched for something that's going to bring life to our soul. It's like our, our soul is wandering through a wilderness. And where do we find life for our souls in the wilderness? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. That's exactly um, where David is at as we read this psalm in Psalm 63. And we're diving into this psalm. It's really a poem, or rather a prayer, of David to God um, at a time when it was a pretty low moment in his life. He was literally in a desert, and metaphorically his heart was in a desert. And yet he found water. He found water for his weary heart in the desert. And that's what we're going to read. So let me uh, read together. Um, We're going to read Psalm 63. I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive into it, okay? Let me read it. Psalm 63. A psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. He says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate, you, meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. And your right, uphand, your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life, to destroy my life, they shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals, but the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouth of liars will be stopped. Lord God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that we uh, will hear you tonight, God, in your word. I pray that you would open our eyes and our ears of our heart, God, to hear what you have to say to us. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so this is one of the uh, few psalms that actually has uh, an introduction. It's called the superscript. Do you see the tiny, like, little block words, like, right, right, right below the, the chapter number? It's called the superscript. Uh, and it says, a psalm of David. Who do you think wrote it? Wake up. Who do you think wrote it? You guys are good readers. Uh, and when he was in the wilderness of Judah. The wilderness of Judah. Um, where is the wilderness of Judah? Geographically, it's southern Israel. What does it matter? Uh, Really, it was a well-known place. It was also called the Negev, which literally translates as dry. So it's a well-known place for nothing. It was dry. It was a desert. It was heat. A lot of people got stuck in the Negev. Go read the Bible. It's kind of funny. Um, And David is on the run. Why is he in the desert? He is the king at this point. Why is he in the desert? He has a son, and his son is named Absalom. Okay, And Absalom is so mad at his dad, he's going to kill him. 
I know you felt that way sometimes, but not really. Absalom is like, he's really angry. Here's what happened. Absalom had a sister uh, named Tamar, and she was abused by their other brother named Amnon. And David saw that it happened, was like, that's kind of bad, and then didn't do anything about it. And Absalom is really angry. And so uh, he goes, he throws a feast and murders Amnon, the guy who abused Tamar, his sister. And he threatened to kill all of David's sons. And then he got all of Israel on his side and went after David. He said, I am so angry at David that I will rip the crown from his hands by taking the throne from his dead body. This is where it's at for David. Not only is it like kind of awful when someone's like after to kill you, it's not a great thing, but it's his own son. This is a heartbreaking moment for David. He feels betrayed, he is sad. He's weary, and he's just sitting in the dust of the desert. And it's in this circumstance that he writes this psalm. In this heartbroken place where he's running for his life, we see him pray this prayer to the Lord. And it begins like this. We'll read it again. Psalm 62, verse 1, or Psalm 63, verse 1. He says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. David's opening words here set the tone for the entire rest of the the prayer. He says, God, you are my God. David has hit one of his lowest moments. He has lost everything. He's lost his throne seemingly for the moment. He's lost the love of his son, um, and things couldn't get worse for him. But he says, God, you are my God. And you know, I think David might have wrote that as a reminder to himself. Because he's king of Israel in a pretty prosperous time in Israel, and he has a lot of things. He's got a lot of wealth. He's got a lot of people. I mean, he's David. He's King David. He's a warrior. He's got a whole army of mighty men. In fact, Absalom was like talking to his cronies, being like, how do we kill David? And one guy's like, hey, let's just go get him. The other guy's like, do you, do you know who David is? Like, he has a whole clan of mighty men. You want to go after David? Like, this is David we're talking about. But yeah, he doesn't say, oh, sword, you are my God. He doesn't say, oh, army, you are my God. He doesn't say, oh, wealth and power, you are my God. Maybe David needed to remind himself where his help comes from. He says, God, you are my God. And he knows that God is his only hope for his weary and dried up heart. Who do you call God? Who would you say, oh, You are my God. Sometimes we think reputation, you are my God. Or friendships, you are my God. Or relationship status, you are my God. But all these things are like the dust and the sand that surrounds David in this moment. It's dry, it's empty, it blows away in the wind. And we need something that's going to satisfy our soul. So David looks around the landscape, right? He says, I'm, I'm 
my soul thirsts for God, my flesh faints for God, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He's looking at the landscape and he's going, you know what? This desert looks a whole lot like how my heart feels right now. This is exactly how I feel right now. And I need something that will refresh my soul. Maybe you do or have felt this way, or maybe not, the feeling of being parched in a desert. Some of you got really close to that at camp. It was hot, right? Some of those games, like especially that first game, it was like super hot. And like, how many of you brought water bottles to camp? Okay, more than I thought. More than how many complaints I got, okay? Like, it was hot. You guys were like, I'm so thirsty. I need water, right? Where there's a water fountain, I need water. There's a water fountain, right? And I, I, overheard, a, I overheard a couple of our senior girls. They were joking. Um, they were trying to convince a leader that they had milk in their water bottle. Yes. Ugh. <laughs> Right? And they're like, what? Why would you drink milk on a hot day? That's not going to refresh your soul. Right? We need something that is going to refresh our body, refresh our soul, to satisfy us. And, and you know maybe the, the, the hunger and the, the parchedness of uh, physical like hunger and, 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 and needing water, but you also know the feeling of it in your soul. Maybe you felt that way coming to camp. Maybe you came to camp hoping that there'd be the moment that your soul would be refreshed. Some of you right now maybe are afraid that we're home from camp, and you're afraid that that feeling of dryness is going to come back. We know what it's like to have a wilderness of the soul, to feel like a sponge that's been left out for too long, or, you know, the worm that stayed on the concrete for too long. Right? We can feel our soul shriveled and far from God, and so what does David do? In his weariness, he says this. He says in verse 2, So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. The sanctuary, really um, simple definition, is just the place of the presence of God. And so in these moments in the desert, David says, I remember being in your presence. I remember being with you. It's easy when you're in a desert or in the wilderness, to feel alone. But David chooses to remember what it's like to be close to God. And specifically, he says, because your steadfast love is better than life. David chooses to remember God's steadfast love. What is steadfast love? Here's another definition for you. Steadfast love is simply a lasting love. It's a love that never leaves or fails. And David says, I In this moment, when I feel alone, I'm going to choose to remember God. I'm going to remember his steadfast love. And he says, it's enough. He says, for your steadfast love is better than life. I could die in this wilderness, but God, your love is all that I need. And David, this is not the first time David's been in a wilderness. He ran for his life from Saul, and God came through for David in the wilderness. And he says, you know what? I have seen God prove his faithful, lasting love to me, and I'm going to remember that. So when David's heart is weary in the wilderness, he says this, when my heart is weary, I remember you. He says to God, when my heart is weary, I remember you. I give these words to you as an opportunity for us to pray these words when we're in the same place as David. When you're in a, a place that feels like a dry and weary land, 
We pray to God, God, when I am weary, when my heart is weary, I remember you. Do you have a weary heart tonight? Let us remember the nearness of God. So David, feeling lost and weary, dried up and empty, he says this to God. He reminds himself of the the lasting love of God. And here's what happens next. Verse 5. He says, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Uh, David appears to be up late in this moment, right? He says that he's uh, meditating on the Lord and the watches of the night, right? As the t- clock ticks by, he's, he's, he's uh, remembering God as he lays on his bed. And he's probably like laying in the dust and the dirt, you know, like staring at the stars. He's probably got like a rock or two under the ribs because who sleeps in the desert? That hurts. You know, he's probably got a scorpion crawling across his face and he's, he's thinking about these things. He's probably like waiting to hear someone like come up behind him and like stab him in the back. <laughs> Honestly, he's, he's waiting for someone to come and kill him. He knows uh, that Absalom is after him and he's probably sitting there wondering what his last day will be like. Have you, any of you had have nights like that? Where it's like you close your eyes, but you can't close your mind off, you know? Like you can't uh, stop thinking about all the things, and you begin to worry about things, and then you watch the minutes, and then the hours tick by, and every hour that ticks by, you just get more anxious because you think, I should be sleeping. You start calculating how many hours of sleep that you're going to get if you fall asleep right now, and then you can't fall asleep right now. Anybody feel like this? Or maybe you're on the other side where it's like, Um, Some of you are up at unholy hours of the night because you feel that way, and so you pull out your phone to mask those feelings you have. And you begin to slide through video after video or message after message because you don't want to face the fact that that's how you feel at night. So we try to mask it with our phones. We say, oh, phone, you are my God. Right, but David, remember, he has reminded himself, oh, God, you are my God. And we don't actually hear anxious babbling coming from David. We don't hear me like, oh, God, Absalom's going to kill me. Please save my life. Please, like, I don't know. I'm just so stressed. No. He, he just, he's, he's praising. Do you see this? He says, I will bless you. He says, my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. I will sing for joy. We should be hearing David being like, ah. But he's like, praise the Lord in the desert. Why? Why? Why is he praising the Lord? Um, it's like a, he. It's like um, sitting in the desert, pretending you're at Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, yeah. I need you to show the picture of the feast because it has my favorite dish there, right there at the bottom. Not the steak, the mac and cheese. Mac and cheese, right? It's like sitting in the desert. Uh, pick your favorite desert, Death Valley, whatever. Uh, and pretending you're at Thanksgiving. Instead of sand, you're eating mac and cheese. Uh, instead of a tumbleweed, there is a nice juicy steak. And instead of a dry wind, you're like, that's the, you know, the apple cider. Cheers. Uh, I was going to use this reference. I don't actually know if it's going to work. How many of you have seen the movie Hook? Oh, I don't know if it's going to work. You know the scene where they're like pretending to have a feast? And like he can't like... Peter Pan, old Peter Pan, like, can't, like, 
imagine the feast until he's like in it, right? And then it's like food. It's a big food fight, right? We're thinking like, man, David, are you delusional? There is not a feast here. Like you are in the desert. But really what he's doing, he's, he's looking at his present circumstances and saying, this is actually not my reality. This present circumstance of being in a desert is not my reality because I have not been left alone. Look at these metaphors. He says, as in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. It's like a big mama eagle, like surrounding her little chickies. Like she, she holds them close. Um, it's, he says, my soul clings to you. That word cling is not like, it's not the image of like, your friend driving the pickup truck down the road and you're like sitting in the back, like hanging in the back, hoping that at the next turn you don't fall out. Nobody's done that? I know some of you have. I've seen you driving down my road. I live on Washougal River Road. It's loud, okay? Uh, it's, it's not that kind of clinging, hoping you're not going to die. It's the clinging like this. I have uh, an engagement ring that is soldered together with a wedding ring. And it's so seamlessly soldered together that it's one item. This is the clinging. And it's like, that's not, they're not trying to like hold each other together. They're close. Right? He says, you hold me in your right hand. It says this close as if you were sitting in the palm of the creator of the universe. He's holding you close in the right hand. And David says, I can rest. Despite my circumstances, despite what I see around me, I may be lost in the desert, but I know that I am held close by God, protected safe, and loved. One of the most dangerous lies you can believe in the desert is that you're alone. The greatest lie that you're tempted to believe in the desert is that nobody loves me and that I am alone. That's why we spend so much time on the phone. Because we're desperate for evidence that somebody remembers our name, that somebody loves us, that somebody sees us when we feel alone. And I hope that you know, citizens, that sitting around this room are people who love you and care for you. There are friends, there are adults who um, work normal jobs and lives and probably want to be home sleeping. I like sleeping. But we love you so much that we're here for you. But more than the love of the people around you, you must be convinced that you are loved by God. The only thing that will satisfy your parched soul is to rest in the truth that God loves you with a lasting love that will never leave you. I'm going to say it again. The only thing that will satisfy your parched soul is to rest in the truth that God loves you with a lasting love that will never leave you. On those long nights whether you're watching the clock or watching your phone, remember that you are loved, cherished, protected, held close. You can rest. Turn off the phone, close your eyes, and rest. David remembered the steadfast love of God, and he remembered the nearness of God. He may be wandering in the desert, but David says this. He says, when my soul wanders, I rest in you. When my soul wanders, I rest in you. First he said, when my heart is weary, I remember you. And when my soul wanders, I rest in you. 
When you likewise, when your soul wanders into anxiety, look at your right hand and imagine yourself being held by God. Rest in God. David chooses to remember, and his remembering brings him rest in God. He has no idea what's ahead for him. Absalom may find him. He may be killed in the desert. Uh, he may never be king again. He has no idea what's ahead for him. But he is confident in God in what is next. And so he closes his song with this final verse. He says, But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exalt, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. David had some literal clear enemies. We talked about it. Absalom is after him. Uh, David's running from his life. Uh, Absalom won the favor of the people around him by spreading rumors and lies that David didn't care for him. He would stand outside the gate of David's kingdom, of David's throne, and say, oh, the king doesn't want to hear you, but listen, I'll listen. And he won the favor by spreading those rumors. And his army became big enough in, in that he could come after the king. And so David, kicked out of his home, he's not in Jerusalem anymore. He's on the run. This king who had power over all of Jerusalem, who sat on the, one of the greatest thrones in the world, who was served and honored at lavish feasts. He knows what a feast is like. He's been in many of them. He is currently sitting and is sweaty in the dirt, and the dirt is clinging to him and clinging to his sweat. He's exhausted. He's parched. He's sharing dinner with a rattlesnake and a scorpion. I talked to somebody here who has a snake. I do not a fan of snakes. Don't have dinner with them. Uh, Or be their dinner. Anyway, if it was me, if I was David in this moment, like king over Israel, sitting in the dirt, fury. This is what I would feel. Fury, anger, revenge. I'd be like, what? Like, I, when I get out of this desert, Absalom, I am coming for you. Like, I am going to take you down. But that's not David's response. Look at this. He Never once does he say, oh, I will destroy my enemies. He doesn't take it into his own hands, but he's confidently waiting for the Lord. He knows that, as he says at the top here, right, Verse 1, he says, earnestly, I seek you, that down here in verse 9, that those who seek to destroy will be like the dust. As David is, spends his focus seeking God, he knows that those who are seeking to destroy him will end in the same dust that he's sitting in. That it's God who gets justice over his enemies. That it's God who protects him. And so he waits. He waits for the justice of God. And instead of saying, I will destroy my enemies, he says, I will rejoice. That's not what we say when we're in a wilderness. (laughs) That's not what we say when our hearts are dry. That's not what we say when we feel attacked. And yet David has reminded himself of God. He's resting in him, and so then he begins to rejoice and celebrate. In the wilderness here, you think you should hear weeping. And like sobbing and groaning. I mean, if it was me, again, I'd just be like, ah, God, why? It's dust and snakes and scorpions and no water. That's what it would sound like. That's exactly what it sounds like. But David is singing. He's praising God. And you may not go to bed tonight um, wondering if somebody might kill you. I hope not. You may or may not. You don't necessarily have a clear enemy 
but we know the taste of what David is talking about. We live in a broken world. We live in a broken that is a we live in a world that is a dry and weary land. And as travelers in this dry and weary land, it's easy to become weary. We look out into the world and we just taste the dry sand. It's gross. And there is an enemy of your soul. There's an enemy of the souls of the children of God that wants to trap you there. He wants you to perish in the wilderness. And he's called the liar. And he's called the deceiver. And we see our friends giving in to the lie. We see our friends giving in to the deceivers that tell them that life would be better off without them. Sometimes we ourselves hear the voice of that same deceiver, of that same liar that says, you're better off dead in this desert. It's dust, it's sand, it's dry, it's death, and it's lies. Look at the last verse. He says, but the mouth of liars will be stopped. As David remembers God, as he rests in the nearness of God, his rejoicing is drowning out the lies that are being hushed, that are being stopped by the hand of God. In the wilderness, David doesn't choke down dust, but he opens his mouth to sing the praises of God. And he says, while I wait, I rejoice in you. Walking through the wilderness, walking through a literal wilderness and a dry spot in his life, he says, God, when my heart is weary, I remember you. When my soul wanders, I rest in you. And while I wait for you, I will rejoice in you. Why? Go back to this verse up here, verse 3. Because your steadfast love, your lasting love, is better than life. Like a river flowing through this desert, God's steadfast love is the sweetest, most refreshing thing that David could have. It's like Gatorade on a hot day. It revives the heart. It revives the soul and is more life-giving than the dust we have around us. In David's song, we learn that weary hearts revive at the river of lasting love. Our weary hearts revive at the river of lasting love. David was convinced that the steadfast, lasting love of God was all that he needed. Is all that he needed to revive his heart. He knew that God would be faithful. He had seen it again, and though he may not believe it in the moment, or though he may not feel it in the moment, he may think that God is gone, he knows that God loves him. He knows that his steadfast love is steadfast. It's lasting. It doesn't leave him when he messes up big time, which he did several times. And yet God still loved him. And David's song is our song. And yet we have a better song. 
Because David had the promise that one day a son would come who would be an eternal king on David's throne. But we know his name. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus wandered a wilderness. He did, literally, actually. wandered a wilderness. Go read the Gospels. He wandered a wilderness. And he trusted God through the wilderness where we often doubt. He wandered a literal wilderness and the metaphorical wilderness. Because Jesus experienced separation from God on the cross so that we would not have to. Jesus walked the weary desert. He walked the wilderness. He walked it unto death and through death so that in his resurrection, we could have his life, the the waters of life that revive our soul. That is the only thing that will satisfy, the only thing that will allow you to close your eyes and rest at night. It's the only thing that brings us what we need in our hearts to live this lasting love of God is seen in the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life for us. He walked the wilderness, he faced the enemy, and then he told us that he himself is the river of living waters. In the Gospel of John, John is a very poetic writer. Sometimes I like roll my eyes at John but he's very good in who he talks about Jesus. There's a moment where people are looking for refreshment. And Jesus looks around at the people around him. In John 7, 37 through 38, Jesus looks around and says, if anyone thirsts, if anyone is parched, if anyone feels this dry and weariness, he says, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. This is the fountain that we turn to in the wilderness. And I know some of your stories. I know some of you have experienced this. That maybe you've been to camp, or you've been to citizens, or you've been in a Bible study, and you're like, nah, 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 nah. But there are moments when you're at home, and you just, you're reading your Bible. Simple, quiet moments. And you get a taste of the living waters of Jesus. It's enough. And no amount of friends or likes or relationships or la 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 ever tastes as good as the sweet living waters of Christ. So I encourage you tonight, if your heart is weary, turn to the river of life. We live in a wilderness. There is an enemy and we are wearied. But in Christ, we find the one who satisfies our souls. Our weary hearts are revived at the river of lasting love. Hear it from the word tonight. Hear it from me. God loves you, and he proved it in Jesus. I encourage you tonight, if it is you, if you are weary tonight, remember, rest, and then rejoice. And the God who loves you. If you're here and you feel the living waters, I want to hear you rejoice real loud (laughs) and encourage your brothers and sisters. So tonight, this is what I told you. It's not over yet. Our response to this word is to rejoice. As we remember who God is, as we rest in who he is, we're going to rejoice in who he is. So let me pray for us.
and then you're going to stand to your feet, and you're not going to exit, but you're going to stand and sing loudly as we rejoice in the Lord. Let me pray first. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that we hear you through your word, that we hear you speaking to us. And God, we thank you that you address the real moments of our lives, that being a Christian isn't always feeling like sunshine and rainbows, but sometimes it is hard, and sometimes we feel alone, and sometimes we feel weary, and sometimes we feel like we are in a wilderness. God, I thank you that you met us in the wilderness, and you continue to every time. God, we thank you for Jesus who walked the wilderness who passed through death into life to pour out living waters into our soul. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. God, I pray that when they go home tonight, that the things that they are looking to that they say are my God, that it would taste like sand. I pray that all the things that they turn to on their phone would taste like dust until they taste you in the living waters. Jesus, I pray that you would pour your living water into their hearts. God, that they would know you. God, that they would taste and see that you are good, that they would be refreshed. I pray that even if their circumstance doesn't change and this thing that is a thorn to them, this thing that is hard, this thing that they don't know if they can get through, even if that never changes, I pray that they would be refreshed even if you call them to continue to walk through the wilderness, may your waters of life help them make it through. Jesus, we turn to you tonight. God, we remember who you are. We rest in the fact that we are held near and loved. God, and we will rejoice for who you are tonight. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You ready to rejoice?